Hit it. Radio 929 The Game. We're gonna have a bump, good time. 929 The Game.com. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm fitting them in there. Okay. Going right with the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever see that concert with him? He's in the green outfit and he pulls Michael Jackson out of the, out of the crowd. Um. He, it's like James from early, mid-80s. Okay. And he's doing he, he this in and full and, band yeah. and everything. And Michael Jackson's there in the uh, at the concert and James Brown probably knew he was there anyway oh, yeah. but he's you know acknowledges him Michael waves everybody and then brings him up on stage <laughs> couldn't have been more embarrassed <laughs> Sam and Greg here sports radio 929 the game 929thegame.com coming into the nine o'clock hour we say good morning Georgia morning and a special good morning to you fine folks in Locust Grove Locust Grove. Locust Grove. It's a great place to go down there. You Ain't it though? Yeah, go man and check them out. Yeah. There you go. And if you got some Chick-fil-A's, go there and tell them if you're just tuning in, they need to put another sign farther down um, where the drive-through, when you first start coming into position in the drive-through, they do a great you job with it. you got to see now because they're, they're reconfiguring a lot of the buildings. They so can look, still, they can uh, still uh, put uh, that uh, sign. A number of them they've they've – Torn all the way down and built all the way back up. Oh, I understand that. And all yeah. the more reason to have two signs out there, one further back, because it's before you get to the main sign where you would normally put your order in. When it's busy, the workers come out, and they meet you before you get there, and there's going to be some people who would like to take a look at that. And if they have enough, that's the only complaint I got about Chick-fil-A. Not, not a complaint so much as a suggestion. Okay. That's the only one. Other than that, they're, they're, they're the gold standard right now. They really are. Now, they ain't going to have no folks go over there and flip a coin like Waffle House has. They still do that? Well, we got to see if they do that this season. <laughs> the coin flip's supposed to be doing virtually. It's supposed to be virtual Well, that coin was during toss. the pandemic. That's you know, all they, they started doing those just before the pandemic. I don't know if they're going to bring back those those real coin flips there <laughs> after the game. Meet, meet us at the Waffle House off uh, Highway 8 or whatever. You know, No, I'm not going to do that. It's all about the unwritten <laughs> rules of baseball. It's called Unofficial. Ron Darling, Jimmy Rollins hosts it. This is a podcast that you can get free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. But all those unwritten rules, they talk about them. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk to Corey McCartney coming up later on in the show. Maybe we'll ask him about one or him Him and Grant talk about him, you know, from the Diamond on their show. But anyway, yep. um, if you are just joining us, we have been throughout the show talking about just some thoughts on what happened this past week at the SEC Media Days. You were out there. Mm-hmm. We as a station were out there, had our presence there. And, of course, the story surrounding Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher and then also the other movement and the teams. There's a lot of stuff to talk about there this year. so much stuff off the field. Yeah, th- you know, all and, of them. And you kind of figured that early in the week it was going to be more talk about stuff off the field than on the field. You know, the, the you know, realigning the conferences, transfer portal, NIL. And then in the end, it was Kirby Smart, coaches' contracts. Right, uh, you know, which all all of it like stems back to cash, right? The money, right? So um, that's what we end up talking about a lot this week. And well, so, it was all about money. Yeah, it, it, whether it was mentioned 
in a contract form or the acknowledgement of why what is happening in college sports is happening. Yeah, It's all about money. And of all people to choose his words the way he did, Dion, and he remember he was doing the interview when he's talking about this and yeah. said pretty much what everybody's been chasing saying. Chasing the bag. Yeah, chasing the bag. But it's still, I think he's in the, he has found himself, he and, and the program, Jackson State, has found themselves in a position where they're kind of in a catbird seat because they're not one of the lesser teams of the big conferences who are going to get left out possibly with some of the bigger, like if you're Pac-12, you know, not everybody's going to have the other two conferences looking to have them join them like USC and UCLA, all right? We don't know what's going to happen with the Arizona teams. We don't know what's going to happen with some of the others. But those two have jumped ship to the Big Ten. Right. But as you discussed, the HBCUs are in a unique position because, A, they're not going to be included in that, but moreover, they've got a spotlight on them in a way that they have never had before and money coming, not across the board, but to some to some programs. And it's got to continue. It's not just going to stop with Jackson State well, no. and Tennessee State no. and, and you know whoever else is benefiting well, absolutely, and that, that won't be the case. I mean, they're going to have more special games and, and really look to make to generate the money within themselves. That's something that they've discovered that they can do in Jackson State. You don't have to go and play the game with the big SEC or ACC team, you know, just to get your check. You can generate the check yourself. I say that at the same time, a game that people have talked about for years is going to take place this, this fall. Southern University is going to play LSU. They're both in Baton Rouge. They've never played in football before. Really? No. So that's happening. I mean, Florida A&M and Florida State and Tallahassee, they never played in football before. So, I mean, that's the, the, but they're doing that this year in Louisiana. A lot of people will watch the game. I don't know where Southern is to give LSU a competitive, be really competitive against LSU. In that but they're game. getting a check. But they get, they're getting a check. The thing you want to do, do you want to go? You, and, and it's in-state. And, and, and the folks at LSU will say, if we're going to write this check to a team, because a lot of people want to see – the F the F uh, the F C S teams go off the schedules for these major schools anyway. A lot of people are hoping that that's what what happens. Right. Um, so somebody's gonna go get that check. If Southern doesn't get the check, they're gonna call McNeese State or Southeast Louisiana, another one of the schools at that level around the state, and give them a chance to come and get that check. So um, and those games are not gonna completely go away either. I think a lot of people are hoping that they stop playing those games, but those games serve a purpose. And follow me when I say this. It serves a purpose for the team that hosts them. You know, if Alabama plays, um, Alcorn. No, they, well, they, but they don't play Alcorn. <laughs> but, but I mean, but but play, play, play Mercer. Okay. You know, play Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State's playing Cincinnati this year. Okay, they're going to go up there and they're going to go up there and do their best to play. You kind of know what's probably going to happen, but the exposure and opportunity to go and play there. Those games are big for Cincinnati. This game will be big for LSU in that you got some players who want to play. You got some guys who are number twos and number threes on your depth chart, and you and you you need a game. They're not getting to your conference games, right? So you need these guys to play if you want them to stay. And that's not, I think people are not thinking that way about it either. You got use them as an gotta, opportunity. Yeah, as I an got opportunity you. to play because you, you want to keep that guy from looking in the transfer portal, right? Okay, right. that's a way to keep your depth is having those games on the schedule. And I know a lot of people don't get excited about them and they call them cupcakes and don't play them, but those games do serve a purpose, especially in this in this day of Can college I ask you football. A question. Why then why wouldn't you come out and say that? 
What? Well, what what's the detriment well, you in got, a coach? You, you figure, or, you, it's, up, it's up to you to figure that out. But the coaches know they need that game, especially now. Because of the guy, you got a guy who, who's, and some people at some schools, at, at, and Georgia has recruited that well, Alabama's recruited that well. You got a two and a three that's just as good as the one. And I understand that, but I'm okay. saying to you if, you, if you need this, as you put it, cupcake game, to get those in the lineup, to keep them out of the transfer portal, which is something that's in place now that hasn't been in the place. These guys right. get disgruntled. But I'm saying to you, after the game, when you're sitting there doing a post-game press conference, and, well, such and so-and-so was on the verge of getting X amount of yards, carries, but why did you take him out to put this running back in? Whatever. Why can't you, as a coach, just say to shut things down? Dude, we needed to give him some reps. We don't know when we're going to need him. You never know when somebody's well, going to go that's down. that's what the coaches but also, say, but they don't say, they don't say we're doing it to keep him from transferring. Not from transferring, but, but we're I mean, giving him time on the – we, we need to give him play. time on the field. Right. Yeah, you, but people are smart enough to figure out that's also part of it. We want to Maybe keep not. Him, we want to keep him fresh. We want him to, to, you know, be a part – we want to make him feel like he's a part of this team, whatever the, the verbiage is. But give him that carrot and stick and – and shut down the speculation that comes with it. And this is another hurdle that we can get past. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, I don't know why I haven't heard that more, to just come out and just be blatantly honest about And we get some coaches who are like that. Get Mike Leach, he'll say anything. Well, yeah. Right? <laughs> you, 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 just, you just hope it makes sense. He, <laughs> he, he was babbling some stuff this week. I was like, what? You know, I mean. It was the head of the, was it, the yeah. commissioner of ACC, too, who left you kind of going like yeah, Scooby-Doo. Like, what? What do you, you know, some of them you figured out and some were yeah, like, well, in, like in code. Yeah, and there was <laughs> you know some that mean? were also blatant and they tried to mess us up. Sam and Greg, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. Case in point. Yeah. Let's get back to this Jimbo Fisher. Um, time in the microphone, and you knew this was going to be asked in some way, shape, or fashion about what happened at his press conference after Nick Saban opened the door and started babbling about NILs and and, and what Dion is doing at Jackson State, but he really put his sights on Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. And then, of course, then Jimbo came back and basically – told everybody Nick Saban is one step below Al Capone and <laughs> how he runs his program and said all kinds of accusatory stuff, and that just sort of laid there. Well, you knew that once Jimbo got behind the microphone at, at the SEC media days, he was going to have to address that, and here's what he said. Listen, we, we're great. We Two competitive guys that go at it. Listen, we all learn from things we do in our business. you got two competitive guys on a, on a topic that is very uh, – Everywhere, as they say, there's no rules in this thing and where it goes. And each state has different laws and everything. And like he said, I heard a statement he made, the arguments we had in the staff room and on the basketball court and all those things. But on the basketball court, we didn't have them. We were always on the same team. So we usually had them against other people. So I have great respect for Nick. And, thing, you know, that's, unfortunately, our thing went public. And that's, that's, sometimes that happens in this world. Nothing's private anymore, is it? Anyway, but, no, we have great respect for Nick. And we all learn from him. We all will learn. Like he said, he was learned. Hopefully I learn from things we do and say, and, and we move on from there, but have great respect for him in their program like always. Please. These aren't the droids you seek. <laughs> That's what he was doing. He was pulling a jet Obi-Wan Kenobi on us and, and throwing this Jedi mind trick out, hoping we would, we would suck at it. He knew, and we all knew what he was doing. He knew that we weren't going to buy it, and we remembered what happened weeks ago. And we did it with, with a bunch of cameras and microphones all around. And said, well, it got out in public. Well, you, you, it started out in public. You know what I mean? It was in public to begin with. So, I mean, to, to make that, I was like, 
Excuse me? Somebody needs to put that on a, uh, on something, bumper sticker, whatever they put them on now, and put Obi-Wan's nothing, face nothing, there. Nothing, nothing, Jedi nothing. mind trick. Nothing's private anymore. <laughs> now when you put it out there and you're in front of cameras and you go to television stations down in Texas and get on the air and, and talk. So, I mean, you know. To him to make that. Didn't but you like feel though insulted though a little bit when you heard that? Well, like y'all, like you didn't even that didn't happen. Again, yeah, yeah. these aren't the joys you seek. Yeah, like we're supposed to forget about that. Again, he did what he had to do. It's just it's amazing that he just pivoted that that blatantly. And you know, what's that old phrase about? You know, attributed to us people in media that when you're addressing them. If you don't run, we won't chase. So if you come up and you just fall on the sword or say whatever, well, then we got to let it die. Well, like I said, though, the commissioner kind of, you know, he set the tone on Monday that, you know, you know, wasn't going to be that. The, the, the one thing that I remember him saying more than anything is the first thing out of his mouth was things are never going to be like they were. And they won't be. And, and he was just being as honest. It's, it's never going to be like it was. And um, as far as as far as college football, maybe college sports as well. So, Eric, how do you feel about all this? You, you know, we're we're watching it happen. May you live in interesting times. So we're in the midst of this money grab across the board. We just happen to be focusing on college sports right now, but we've seen it in in sports. Period. We even see it in golf. <laughs> Again, we're just grabbing right? money. Um, and they're about to yank Charles Barkley over there. Of all people, too, Ooh. to be caught up in golf is Charles Barkley to be written a check. But how do you feel about what you think college football is going to look like moving forward in, in a couple of years? What, well, once these contracts presently are, are redone, the landscape of how it looks and the teams that are going to be left out, how do you feel about that, man? To be honest with you, I think we are in for – Worse times than what we're seeing. I Worse? Think, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's going to get bad. Um, I believe there may be a point where college football is so, shall I say, alienated that they may lose a little bit of their network or their sellability because they'll get a reputation like the money is so big now that, you know, we might have to not want to be affiliated with that for a moment. I mean, I know here in the South, college football is so huge, but – there may be other parts of the country they were like, man, what they're doing in those other areas, we don't want to affiliate with that right now. Yeah, but you know what? I don't see I don't see how you guys can say this is worse unless you tell me at some point the fans aren't going to be able to watch the games. Because as long as they can watch the games, then the fans are going to be happy. I'm, I, and I don't know what seat I want you to sit in as you give me your thoughts, whether it's the broadcasting seat from your job doing a show or from just being a fanboy. If you're just being a fanboy, I don't think we're not going to be able to see any games. Now, we can talk about it may get to a point where we're paying for, you know, playoff games and things like that. That's a different conversation. Then, yeah. But as it's presently constructed or what it looks like, I, as long as they can watch the games, I don't think fans are going to feel the angst that I think you're, you're presenting because they just don't care. We don't care that Joe Buck is calling Monday Night Football. If you put – the two worst teams you can think of in, in professional football on a Monday night game, you're going to watch it if you're a football fan. And whether Al Michaels is doing it over on Amazon or, or whoever you just signed with, uh, or, or Joe Buck and Troy are now over on Monday night football, it's the game. It's not the announcers. And the money that these folks are throwing at Tom Brady, 
When is the last time Tom Brady said something like Charles Barkley that made you go, ooh, he's worth that money? Barkley's worth what they're going to be paying, you know, Tom Brady from a broadcast standpoint. But that's just my thought on that. I mean, you're still going to watch the games, correct? Uh, all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to switch gears and talk baseball next. Corey McCartney uh, is going to join us. It's Sam and Greg, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. And take us with you on the Odyssey app. The way I've been craving, if I put it quite plainly, just give me the babies. So what you're doing tonight, better stay doing you right. Watching movies, but we ain't seen a thing tonight. I don't want to keep you up, but show me can you keep it up, cause then I'll have to keep you up, so maybe I'm going to keep you up, I've been drinking coffee, bring us back Sam. Sports Radio 929 The Game at 929 thegamecom Sam and Greg with you on the Saturday morning. Back here tomorrow, same time, 6 to 10 Are you sure? Oh, yeah, we're going to be here. We're going to be here till oh, 10, 10 o'clock? Oh, 10 None o'clock. of us leaving early? Nope, not tomorrow. Nope. Uh, you know, be 9 for us up We can't go to Chick-fil-A? No, uh, they're cannot, closed. Cannot go there. If you're just tuning in, we helped them earlier. Thought we did. You want to bring our guest on? I would be interested to want to know, we mentioned something earlier, this being the birthday of Pee Wee Reese, and I brought up something earlier in the show. Yeah. We talk about the history of this game. And as we welcome in Corey McCartney, hey, I want to ask you, Corey, because I don't think I've ever asked you this. We know you know baseball. You're doing From the Diamond uh, every Sunday with Grant McCauley here at the station, and you're our go-to baseball person. Are you? Would you consider yourself a historian of the game? Yeah, I think so. I made a statement earlier um, talking about Pee Wee Reese. It's his birthday. It would have been his birthday today. And I said that you could argue that everything that we know, everything that we say about the impact that Jackie Robinson had on not just the sport, but society as a whole, does not happen possibly without one simple movement by Pee Wee Reese. And that was him going up to Jackie when he was just getting barraged and just verbally assaulted regularly when he joined the Dodgers back in 47. And Pee Wee Reese went and put his arm around him. And people will tell you, especially baseball historians, is that was the moment that Jackie Robinson was treated differently in the major leagues. Your thoughts on that, if you know that story, and, and would you agree that were it not to happen, Sam brought up the fact that he figured somebody else might have done it. But it was the fact that it was a white dude, a Southern player, too, on top of it. So I'll build off that and tell you, so there was also you know, the fact that he refused to sign a petition that was circulated, circulating around Dodgers concerning uh, you know, Jackie even playing for the team. So that was before that moment you know, of acceptance or a visible acceptance that you know, he refused to sign this petition. So, um, you know, he, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I just don't. When we talk about Jackie Robinson, obviously, you know, for all that he meant to so many people, you know, past, present, future, I, I don't know that we put enough emphasis on Pee Wee Reese and, you know, just the, the acceptance and doing it before, I think, that thing that we all kind of point to, which is him putting his arm around him. Spending time on the waitforit.com hotline this morning with Corey McCartney. Always great to catch up with him. And, yes, he is social. Uh, you can you find go. him on Twitter at Corey J. McCartney, at Corey J. McCartney, all lowercase. All right, admit it. You thought Otani was going to go all night like yeah. he was the first 10 minutes. <laughs> did you see the seventh inning coming like we did and what happened? 
So I, I didn't. So I talked to Matt Olson before the game yesterday, and he was, you know, he's obviously having spent time in Oakland as a guy that had the the best, you know, frame of reference against Otani. He, you know, he struggled against the big time. He went into last night hitting 077 against him, six strikeouts, and you know, just basically said, okay, what makes this guy such a nightmare as far as a matchup? And he said he has a splitter that's unlike anything in baseball. He said a lot of guys, you know, will throw split fingers, and it's more of kind of like a a change-up kind of thing. He said he has that real tumbling splitter. Um, you know, you, you have to watch out for it. The fact that he can throw that, and he can throw that 90, you know, 101-mile-an-hour fastball. It's a lot of up and down. makes him really, really tough. Well, the very first splitter that he threw Matt Olson last night, he planted in the chop house seat yeah, in right did. field. So, yeah, I mean, it was and, – and that was the – not only was that the first home run that Otani had allowed in a splitter this season – He's allowed just two others since he came into the majors in 2018. Um, so Matt Olson knew what he was looking for. It took him a long time to get it last night, the 11th pitch that he saw against him. But, man, he absolutely made him pay for it. How do you explain this Angels team to somebody who's watching baseball that maybe doesn't follow it as much as us? When you look at them and you say, arguably, the best player in baseball along with the current MVP of the league – and yet they just can't seem to get it. I mean, they're 22 back. They had a winning streak earlier the season with Joe Madden, and then things started going south. They got rid of him. But this has been going on for, for a minute with this Angels team. They've had Mike Trout out there forever. And, you know, the who doesn't want to play in Los Angeles if you're a baseball player? You know, that's, that's an attractive place, even albeit not with the Dodgers. I, I just don't know how to explain the treading of water that this team has gone through lately. To me, it's it's almost like you, Artie Marino built uh, the owner of the Angels built a team that's like an NBA team, right? Where you think if, if I get two superstars and I have complete superstar production from two guys, I can get enough contributions around them to put up a viable product. It doesn't work like that in baseball. You can't have the same NBA mentality um, in building out a roster. I mean, it's great that you have you know a once in a generation talent, Otani, and maybe the best player of this generation in Mike Trout. But if you can't surround them with enough, and, and not only that, you hemorrhage the farm system along the way. I mean, I you know I know the Angels and Simmons deal, you know, uh, had its you know its drawbacks for the Braves, but that was you know some of the the best pitching prospects they had in that system. They just along the way had just made so many missteps. But ultimately, to me, that's what that's what the Angels tried to do. They tried to build a roster out like you would do in basketball, where it was built around superstars, and it just really that just that just does not work in baseball. Corey, thoughts about uh, Charlie Morton and what we saw. Is that confirming that we're seeing the Charlie Morton now that we thought we were going to see? I mean, early in the season we had our, our concerns. seemed like he's got it on, I won't say cruise control, but that was a pretty good performance for six innings last night, only surrendered two hits and no runs. It was. I, I mean, he claimed some toes along the way with that uh, curveball that kind of got away from him. It was hitting some back feet of guys. So, um, But, I, you know, I, I think he's really – uh, he's really found his his groove again. You know, you look at these past few starts for him, and it's just been so much more improved. And uh, it, I think it's crucial too when you think about you know him having a a two two ERA over his past seven starts because we're not far away from the trade deadline. And I know a lot of people want to talk about you know this rotation and and can you upgrade this rotation in any way ahead of the deadline? But um, if Charlie Morton's found it again, and, and Ian Anderson you know, starts to, to continue to put together uh, some viable starts here. I, I don't know that there's a lot of questions within this rotation. Plus, this is a great time 
to work on whatever it is you have to work on. You knew that you you know you would be able to catch up to the Mets, so they sit a game and a half behind them right now. Uh, the Mets are going to be coming here, so either before their their upcoming series, nine games, I believe it is, with the Mets, or, or thereafter is in preparation for the playoffs and, and other divisional matchups. This is a good time, though, to either line up switching around and try this here, try that there, um, because of the luxury of sitting where you are and, and knowing that you have taken care of the teams that you're supposed to and, with the exception of that last matchup with the, with the Mets, pretty much handle everybody else in the division. I just, I just think this is a good time, and I wanted your thoughts on where would you like to see them sort of tweak a little bit with the lineup, whether it's which, you know, locations in the lineup or, as you mentioned, pitching. Well, I will counter that a little bit by saying you look at the second half of the season, and the Mets are playing 29 games against teams who have losing records. The Braves have 20 of those games. So I don't know how much of a luxury. If you, you have to beat those teams that you're supposed to beat. Because if you don't, the Braves play nine, the Mets play nine more of those games, you know, on top of the fact that you're playing each other. So that could end up being a real equalizer in how this thing plays out between the two of them. So you have to take advantage of these games. But, uh, you know, I honestly w- would like to see, you know, maybe them try to platoon – uh, Marcelo Zuna a little bit more. I, you know, he's really, really struggling against left-handed pitching. Um, I mean, it's it's like a, the numbers are atrocious. So I think if you, you know, try to find a way to to kind of, you know, balance him out a little bit, uh, maybe you go out and find somebody that you're able to do that with. Um, that might be the one key there. I, I think the the bullpen, from my perspective, uh, needs some another left-handed uh, element to it. Um, they're just not getting a lot from Will Smith. He's current based on war. He's the, the worst uh, bullpen arm they have right now. So I, I would like to see them maybe go out and get another lefty. Um, so I think those are really, I know that's a lot of lefty focused stuff. I'd like to see them get a guy who can hit lefties and a guy who can come out of the bullpen as a lefty and be effective. Spend the time on the waitforit.com hotline with Corey McCartney, uh, keeping eyes on all things with, uh, keeping his eye on things with the Braves. They got Kyle Wright going today. Thoughts about him and how you want to see him come back from this all-star break? Uh, just be the same effectiveness that he had before. You know, I, I think the, the way he was able to, you know, really be uh, curveball reliant and, and work the fastball as a secondary pitch for him was really key for him turning things around. Um, you know, certainly goes into this with 11 wins uh, today against the Angels. So I think that's the big key for him is, is just not getting away from things yet. Mike Trout could come back today. I haven't seen – uh, he's eligible to come back from the, the IL today, which is obviously another element all in itself. Uh, that's going to be something that Wright's never had to deal with, Otani and uh, Trout in the lineup. But uh, we know you can navigate this uh, this Angels lineup. Morton had seven strikeouts off of him, and he was pretty curveball-heavy last night too. So I think this is a matchup that does set up pretty well for Wright to have uh, another effective start. Love talking baseball with you because SEC media days were here in town, so i got to ask you, are a Heisman voter, uh, was this year's Heisman Trophy candidate in uh, winner in town this week? Yeah, Bryce Young was in town. He was at uh, the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Bryce Young was uh, was in the no, house. No, no, I mean, I mean, is this year's winner? <laughs> oh, it's it's not going to be Bryce Young. I, I will tell you that. Um, I, I just, you know, I've I've long been of the mind that I don't think anybody is going to be uh, is going to be uh, you know replicating uh, Archie Griffin there. Um, could it be I, one of his I, teammates? Could my... it be one of his teammates? I think it's going to be C.J. Stroud. I think the Ohio State quarterback to me is the odds-on favorite. Um, You know, I I really like Caleb Williams, uh, you know, out of USC uh, following Lincoln Riley out there. Uh, But, yeah, I think think you got to have your eyes on on, uh, Stroud here when we open things up. Going to make you feel old. You ready? 
Nomar Garcia Parr turns 49 years old today. Whoa. Noma, 49. It's been a while since he was over on North Avenue. Yeah. And and since we're talking about they got that uh, series with the captain out there, Derek Jeter, who was your who was your shortstop during that time? You had Jeter, you had Nomar, you had A-Rod. And by the way, let's not sleep on Omar Vizquel. Yeah. Of those of those four, who are you taking? I, I liked A-Rod. You know, I, I, I would say I don't like the A-Rod that was staring at himself real close up in a mirror and all the, the weirdness that followed with all that stuff. But um, I mean, he, the cheating. I just thought he, yeah, yeah, I just, you know, to me, he was he was the most athletic of all of them. Um, you know, I really didn't like the Indians growing up in Ohio either. I, I kind of despised the Indians, so I kind of had nothing to do with them on the scale, so. <laughs> all right, there you go. Hey, Corey, appreciate your time, man, today. Thanks, Corey. Oh, oh, we didn't ask him who won the game. Last week we talked to him. He was at the, uh, the, the his kid's game. Weren't you coaching? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got another ring. So, yeah. What? Whoa! Hang on a second. You're bearing the lead here. Where is this? What? What? What area of Atlanta? What town? And what? What? What level? What is it? Pee Wee or Bronco? What? What? What is it? Yeah. So we're playing. Uh, we're wrapping up All Stars. We're going into travel ball here in a couple of weeks. But then we have our last tournament this weekend, uh, Molden Park in Canton. So uh, working on another ring this weekend. So this is our last go around. Look at this dude, man. Yeah. Talk about a two-spire. He's just like coaching and this. He's he's going for <laughs> dad right. of the year. Corey McCartney, as always, be sure to check out uh, From the Diamond. It's him and uh, Grant McCauley. Sundays, 5 to 7, right here on the uh, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Enjoy the rest of your day, man. I appreciate it, guys. Again, Corey McCartney. We got we got some unfinished business. We got to put a tag on a couple things, and you got to get somebody lunch. I know that. So we got to talk about this, and there's something having to do with Rachel Robinson, too. We have not talked about Sam and Greg, Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929TheGame.com. Take us with you on the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929TheGame.com. It's Sam and Greg. That just takes you back, don't yeah, it does. I don't want to get into yeah. that. Um, we've had, a, you know, we had a pretty good time this morning, wouldn't you say? I would say so. We helped out, you know, Chick Fil A. Well, no, we yeah, we did. We we discovered that we would all rather have. Well, actually, not Eric. He wants Kit. <laughs> from 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 what was that show? Night Rider. Night Rider. Mm-hmm. That was it. David Hasselhoff, mm-hmm. the biggest celebrity in Germany, yeah, before, or American celebrity before in Germany. he started running down the beach. Yeah, well, that may be the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, listen, we and Chris is following us here, right? We got Mr. Goforth coming up next. All right, all I right. Saw him this week. He was working Where'd hard. Did you down see at him at SEC Media Days? Man. Oh, Chris he was Goforth down there. Was working hard down there. Saw him. Well, everybody was working hard down there. Yeah. And listen, they're going to be working just as hard as we approach Falcons training camp. We're going to be all. Over that during the week and on the week, Mark Zeno, you're gonna be taking them big old marine muscles of his out there <laughs> and showing popping all over Flowery Branch, and he'll be broadcasting from out there. Um, real quick, we want there's a couple things that we 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 touched on, but we really didn't get into. And before we get out of here, uh, I want to make sure that you got a chance to say, you know, give your thoughts. I know there was a couple things. One was Rachel Robinson, we're talking about t- turning 100. Uh, ironically, on the, the night of the All Star Game, which was in uh, you know it was in Los Angeles, the Dodgers involved in uh, very nice uh, tributes to her, and uh, and fittingly so the way she's carried forward uh, in in her husband's legacy. But also, it's a great time. I was thrilled going back to last Sunday night 
the Major League Baseball draft was thrilling for me. Uh, first of all, because thrilling, thrilling. It, okay. it, it, I mean, it, I know why, but you it, don't hear that word normally it, you know, attached it, it to that. Was, it was thrilling to me for two reasons. First of all, because we had a number of players uh, who played their high school baseball in Georgia who went in the top selections. Right. And so that was great to see, but also a number of these guys were, were African-American. As we talk about the return of the African-American baseball player, you talked about Aaron Buxton mm-hmm. uh, playing with the Minnesota Twins, who was a product of Georgia High School Baseball, uh, playing in the majors. And just seeing some young people, we talked with Marvin Freeman uh, last week. He talked about some of the people that he and Marquise Grissom have been working with. As we see Michael Harris, uh, the second in center field for the Braves, and one of the guys that they worked with ended up being selected in the first round, uh, Cam Collier. Uh, who played at um, um, Mount Perrin uh, High School and then went to junior college, drafted by the Cincinnati Reds in the first round. Um, let me back up because up the very top, the very second pick was Drew Jones. I was going to say, you're talking about Andrew's kid. Yep, he went second pick. Kumar Rocker, who we saw this guy pitch at Vanderbilt, and he didn't go to the Mets last year. He gets back into the draft. The Rangers were waiting on him, and they're <laughs> going to reunite him with Al Leiter's son with the Rangers. Uh, they drafted him in quickly, $5.2 million bonus. Uh, for him, Termar Johnson out of Mays High School, uh, Atlanta Public Schools, so big for them to get someone to, uh, to, to be drafted in, in, in the baseball draft. That was great to see this week. Uh, also, uh, Dylan Lasco out of Buford uh, was drafted, so uh, in the, in the, on, all in the first round. So that was impressive to see this week. Shout out to one second rounder, uh, Chandler Simpson, a shortstop from uh, Georgia Tech. He's my Omega Sci-Fi brother. And so uh, that's <laughs> yeah. what happens to me. And by the way, shout out to all the Omegas that are not headed up to Charlotte. Our national meeting, our conclave, is taking place up in Charlotte. D Led is up there. I got to watch out for him. Uh, but there. What's up, up with D Led? He's, yeah, he's just he's getting up, ready for us. He's getting ready, but uh, he's up there with all the purple and gold up in Charlotte for the weekend. So we go see. <laughs> so so hope he does well. Did, did something with someone who's coming to town tomorrow night. Remember, you know, we had the the, the women's exhibitions are big over at Atlanta Open. They're going to start the, uh, the qualifying rounds today, and Donald Young and Chris Eubanks, local uh, players, will be in action today. But tomorrow night and Monday night, of course, Coco Goff will be in town playing the we women's exhibition. We just saw exhibition. Boy Eddie on TV. He'll be joining us tomorrow. He'll be joining us tomorrow to talk about it. I talked with Coco this week. You did? And she's excited to be coming back. Because, I mean, she left oh. when she was just like, like nine years old, and she's been living in Florida. Really hadn't been back to Atlanta to spend some time. So she's going to be around here for two or three days. I said, well, what's the thing you were looking forward to most? Once I want to, I want to go there. This is it. <laughs> she want them rib tips. <laughs> so, so, so she's excited. I, I've been in touch with somebody I know down there. We're going to see if we can't. Yeah, give a little taste hey, of Get some on the side for your boy here, Greg, who I well, <laughs> Yeah, just don't put any sauce on it. I can still eat ribs. <laughs> Uh, but she, she said that I said, I'm going to call somebody and, and, and let the Anthony family know that uh, Coco Goff was a big, big fan of uh, This Is It from her time growing up here in Atlanta. I, I Listen, the three of us. You ready? Eric, you too. You coming back. You've been in Atlanta or we'll say Birmingham. You mentioned earlier, if you're just joining us, Sam, when you go back to Birmingham, what is the thing that you want to get that you can't get anywhere else? You told us about some drink. Drink. Buffalo Rock. You only make it in Birmingham. And Buffalo Rock is it's like akin a, to like a ginger um, soda, pretty strong. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just grew up drinking it and rediscovered it. It used to be in a bottle only. It's in a can now. Our producer went home back up to Maryland, oh, yeah. Baltimore last week, yeah. and you went to what's the place you got to go to, or what meal is it that you got to get? 
oh, I ain't got to go nowhere but the mom's house. But we had <laughs> homemade, we had homemade crab cakes and her special recipe of steamed shrimp. But and I ate them all. And she came down. <laughs> she came downstairs late. She said, "Who ate all the crab cakes?" Me. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say a phrase she's been using for probably thirty years, right? Yeah. Yes, indeed. There's oh, not man. a location of a place, so it's crab cakes. Period. That's uh, the well, best what okay. you gotta have when you go home. No, now see the see the deal. This is the deal. So you can get. Crab cakes in lots of restaurants in Maryland, but you can go to the shore, to the eastern shore, and go to a crab house and have them pan-picked fresh crab meat, fresh off the boat. And that's what most of the people in Maryland do. They'll drive an hour and a half down to the shore, go to one of the crab houses, and they'll sit there while the hand-picked crabs that came in that morning are being picked and pasteurizing, you can have them canned or you can have them just like in a little container of how many pounds you want. Then you go home and make your own handmade crab cakes. Wow. I, I have always had a problem with buy, buy, getting something and eating something I can see moving first. Well, you know, like not, if you get like. moving before you start eating. No, I'm saying, but if you have like crabs and then you drop them before you drop them in the boiling water and they're still moving around. No, yeah. Live crabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. That's, I just always had a problem that's, with that's that, man. what they do. Well, I ain't got to watch it. Just, just bring them, put them on the table. <laughs> uh, and, of course, y'all know it's me. I'm, I got to get it, uh, a combo if I get back up to Chicago. And I can get it at any place. Most corners have a beef joint. They know what I'm talking about. And you can go in there and get Italian sausage, or you can get Italian beef, or you can get them together get a combo. And then you get the bread dunked, lightly dunked. Okay. Or pizza, you know, yep. a couple of places that's I got all, for that. And I'm not talking about pan pizza. I'm talking thin. So I get those two when I go home. As the show winds down, it's time for us to cover some of the things we haven't yet as we flush out some of the small stories we may have missed with Sam and Greg. Thank you, Steve. Been a minute, but we got that in there. Uh, we, did you hear the Charles Barkley news that Liv, the Live Tournament has got in touch with him? David think, Faraday. I don't think he's going. Well, I don't think he's going, but the fact that you would, you reach out to somebody like that. That was just surprising to me. But yeah. it was you, Mr. Greg, has said he worked out the kinks in his swing. That he doesn't have he, that. He's not playing on the tour. He's going to get in some sort of broadcast oh, capacity. I thought, they, I thought they offered him a chance. Charles to Barkley, come on. No, no. no he got to get his – No. They, no. They if the last place guy is getting a couple hundred grand, he can, he can be that guy. No. <laughs> Charles, has, Charles has been asked to get over. We mentioned earlier in the show, today was the first day that the world met an ice cream cone. The first cone at the St. Louis, the St. Louis World World's Fair, Fair. World's Fair was created. Okay. So on this date, eighteen. What I mean, flavor uh, was the ice cream? I didn't say nothing about the ice cream. I just said the cone. What? They made the thing the whole ice cream. You put whatever flavor you wanted in there. 1984, Vanessa Williams resigned her crown mm-hmm. after those penthouse pictures came out. Goodwill Games started on this day in '94. Ted Turner's venture, and uh, it was in St. Petersburg. It was the first location. Okay. Mentioned some of the birthdays, Pee Wee Reese and Nomar Garcia Power earlier. I mentioned Michelle Williams, Destiny Child on her birthday. But also, Don Drysdale, Gary oh, Payton, Ooh. Maurice Green on his speed. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take you back with these two, Burt Convey. Whoa. <laughs> Ronnie Cox. If wow. you don't know Ronnie Cox, he's one of those actors who you've seen in a million things. Maybe you just didn't know his name. But I'll bring the most familiar one. He was the um, head cop in Beverly Hills Cop. So you had the two guys who Eddie was running around with and their boss. 
Lieutenant. Lieutenant Bogomil. Bogomil, yes, that was Ronnie Cox. Mentioned uh, Woody Harrelson's birthday today. Eric LaSalle. Y'all know him? Drip, 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 drip from Coming to America. Speaking of Eddie. But what he's done since then, he's a big-time director now. Yes, he is. is. Turned 60 years old today. Marlon Wayans and Omar Epps. One year apart as far as her. Now, I don't know what this is going to look like, but did you see who is starring in the new Weird Al Yankovic biopic? No. Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al Yankovic. Whoa. And... Harry Potter turns 33 today. I'm going to keep calling him that. What are you going to do? Flash is <laughs> a birthday as, uh, today. And um, switching gears, bring the music down just a little bit because I know there's going to have some thoughts on this. Uh, 1982, Vic Morrow. Vic Morrow was the actor who died on set, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, in the making of the movie Twilight Zone. It was a helicopter scene. He was like a Vietnam reenactment. And this helicopter got too close to actors and and. Um, he died on set. Um, so that was Vic Morrow happened on this day in 82. It was the Twilight Zone movie. But also, there's a lot of people who remember when they heard the news that Michael Jordan's father had gotten killed. And it was on this day in 93. James Jordan. I don't know where McCall, McCall South Carolina is. That's where this happened. Right. But, um, yeah, happened on this day. You had mentioned also Rosie Greer, too. Yeah. Um, no, was it birthday. today? Birthday. Oh, birthday today? Birthday. Okay, that's great. I think you lost him. Yeah. But we do want 90. to. 90. Rosie Greer. 90 years old, Rosie Greer. Eric, you ever heard of the Fearsome Foursome? That's when they used to actually give names to defenses. I think the last one was the uh, Boom, something Seattle. I think that was the last time okay. one side okay. of the ball got a. Got a, a deep, got a nickname. A that was a Legion, whole, Legion of Boom. Legion of Boom. That was a whole defense. It yeah, just, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, the Legion of Boom was the secondary. The secondary. Okay. Oh, wasn't the whole defense? No, it was I the secondary. It was, uh, it was okay. the secondary. The, the fearsome foursome? Never yeah. heard of fearsome foursome? Yep. Yeah. No. They they, they they gave, you know, like you had steel curtain and you right. had, the, yeah, had the, the purple people, purple people eaters. eaters. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, the fearsome foursome. That's the Rams. Right. They were like the first ones to get in. Rosie Greer. Okay. They also they also sang. That's and they sang. The dudes were all. What was it? The singing group. It was man. like wasn't wasn't American Bandstand, but it was what Shindig or something they like that. Ed Sullivan. <laughs> oh, so 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 the Bears didn't invent that with the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, Ro- no, no man. So you got you remember these the forum? These guys really sing. You had you had. Rosie Greer. Yep, yep. You had Lamar Lundy, who's yep. the name that everybody usually forgets. Mm-hmm. You had Deacon Jones. Yep, and, and you had Farlin, Father Murphy. Father Murphy. <laughs> Merlin Olson. Merlin Olson. Um, but seriously, there are people here who do remember, and we say, bringing the tone down a little bit here, the National League Rookie of the Year and was a part of the 95 Braves World Series team. He was runner up for rookie. Dwight Smith. Dwight Smith. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yes. Lost. lost here yesterday. So. Um, on that note, we just want to remind you that we have got uh, another packed show for tomorrow. We are going to talk to, like I said, um, well, hopefully a surprise guest for Mr. Crenshaw. But we're definitely going to be talking to Eddie Gonzalez. Going to find out what's going on with his tent. Where does he want to go eat? Not my Coco Golf. <laughs> I think go and get something. Eddie Gonzalez running things. Also, Joe Patrick is going to join us, get his set for, um, well, not only today, that day's uh, Braves game, but also Atlanta United. Playing that night. And let me get my notes in front of me here. That's going to be against LA Galaxy. Pre game nine, kick at 9 30. So that'll be Atlanta United's next matchup. We'll get Joe in for that here. But uh, other than that, you got a big day ahead of you? Um, 
not too. I mean, this, if the weather stays like it is right now, I'll probably get to do some yard work, some, some needed yard work. All right. Eric, you have a big day. Everybody else, thank us for making us a part of your Saturday morning. You guys go out and have yourself a big day. It's Sam and Greg, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. Take us with you on the Odyssey app. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning.